As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, would you pray with me? Lord God, open our ears so that we can truly hear your good news. Open our hearts so that we can be filled with your love. Direct our lives and grant us faith and courage so that we may live out your life in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the, read <clears throat> the reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, two sections. The first is just one verse from the first chapter, verse 8. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then in Acts chapter 9, the story of the raising of Tabitha. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain tanner named Simon. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I need to begin this morning by telling you about a fairly recent development in my relationship with my mother. Perhaps you've experienced this yourself. It seems for about the past 10 years, beginning in my 40s, when my kids were teenagers, and now into my 50s, I have felt the increasing need to tell my mother stories about some of the things I did when I was a teenager that she never knew about. Not just the risky behavior stories, but also some of the good things 
that I did that she might not have known, like the time when my best friend Cindy and I saved the life of my younger brother, who was choking on a piece of hard candy. Or maybe the time that we used to let people sneak into the basketball games because we knew they didn't have enough money for tickets. There were so many things I've discovered that she and my father never knew about. Not because they weren't careful parents, but more because we were teenagers and we were living life and gaining independence and maybe we didn't tell them everything. In the midst of some recent storytelling, I've discovered two things. First, that my mother doesn't really want to hear these stories right now. She jokes and says, if I didn't need to know it then, I don't need to know it now. And second, I've discovered just how much living we did, just how much we were in the world that was beyond my parents' experience. Some of it, of course, was silliness and experimentation, but not that much of it. A lot of our living involved conflict resolution and social integration and working toward a common goal and healing broken hearts and even a little bit of political action. It's become clear to me that our experience as teenagers moved out in directions far beyond my parents' world. I went places they either couldn't go, like high school and summer camp, or didn't want to go, like high school and summer camp. And sometimes my friends and I did a lot of good there. If you are the parent of a teenager, or you know teenagers, you know this is true. Their lives are, in fact, often much broader than ours. They engage in a world that we sometimes don't even see. Sometimes this fact might keep you up at night, but sometimes, I hope, it makes you proud and humble. This is something that Jesus knew well. When Jesus tells his disciples that they will receive power from the Holy Spirit and they would be his witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, he knew that he had not only equipped them to love and to heal all kinds of people, but maybe most important, he trusted them to be able to do it wherever they were. Jesus knew that his followers would be in the world in ways he never had been, and that they would have power to do things that he hadn't done. They would touch and love people and include people that he never knew. They would go places he couldn't go. I was so happy when I saw that the scripture lesson for today, for Confirmation Sunday, was the story of the raising of Tabitha. 
This is probably one of my favorite post-resurrection stories, even though Jesus is nowhere to be found in it. You can feel his presence and his influence all throughout the story. Tabitha and Peter, the widows, and even Simon the Tanner are all going where Jesus couldn't go and bringing his life-giving power. Where? To one another. The whole book of Acts is one story after another of ordinary people who have committed to their faith in Jesus and find themselves with extraordinary power. Not power over others, but power for others. Power to heal, power to build community, power to live with people they never in their wildest dreams imagined they would live with and loving them. Power to repair hurts and conflicts, power to bring Christ to the world. What I want to say to the confirmands this morning, and really to all of us, is that when you give yourself to your faith, which is not a one-time Confirmation Sunday thing, but a daily thing, you will find in some very strange ways that you will have power. I've seen it with you, the confirmands, over and over again this past year. Remember when you were designing churches and you spoke about all the doors and the windows you would create for people to come in and all the glass that you would surround it with so that the world could be seen? Remember how you talked about how you would offer people rest and sanctuary and food as they traveled? Remember when you spoke about forgiveness and you read your faith statements to us and to the mentors and we were all leaning in towards you? We were feeling your power. I wonder how Tabitha in today's Bible story found her power. The name Tabitha and in Greek Dorcas means gazelle graceful. I'm guessing maybe her parents named her that, hoping that she would be a woman of beauty and grace and elegance. But what does the scripture say? She was a woman abounding in deeds of kindness and charity. Tabitha, it turns out, was not known for her beauty or her gazelle-like qualities. She was known for her action, for her acts of kindness and for her power to help others, especially those who were the poorest and most isolated in her community, the widows. She built community among the widows. I wonder when it was that Tabitha decided to follow her own path and be herself and do what she felt called to do. I think Tabitha's power in knowing herself and living the way she truly felt called to live 
as a follower of Jesus, was there. And Tabitha, you may know, is actually the only woman in the New Testament to be given the title disciple. Tabitha carries the power of Christ to her world. And what about the widows? We know that the widows were the poorest and the most marginalized people in the community. The only people who might be poorer than the widows were the orphans. But look at what these women do. When they see that their beloved Tabitha has died, they organize. They rally the disciples and tell two men to run and get Peter. And when Peter comes, they approach him boldly, declaring how important Tabitha is to them and to their, their community and all the things she's done for them, how generous she is. And they tell Peter to get in there and heal her. These are no shrinking widows. Forget the band of brothers. Don't mess with a band of widows. These women have power. And finally, what about Peter? There are two things I'd like you to notice about Peter. And you have to remember that Peter had a terrible record as a disciple. He failed all the time. But look at what happens here. Peter's asked to come quickly because a woman he's never met has died in a town where he is not. He doesn't hesitate. He drops everything and runs. And then he enters the dead woman's room. To, when he's asked to enter the dead woman's room and heal her, this seemingly impossible situation that he's definitely never done before, what does Peter do? He enters the room. Let's just stop right there. He enters the room. He said yes. He does it. He trusts himself to walk into a scary situation and enter. That's all we need to do. I promise you, just trust yourself to say yes. Enter the room. Try it. And ask Jesus to enter the room with you. This story is really meant to show that Peter faced something he could have never imagined that he could do and face earlier. And now he faced it head on. And I'm sure behind those closed doors, behind those closed doors, Peter was shaking in his boots and kneeling down and praying in all desperation. But he looked death in the eye and he said, Tabitha, get up. And there's something else Peter does. The scripture says, these acts of Peter became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. Peter, a faithful Jew, has not only done what some widows have told him to do and had the courage to heal, 
But then he goes and stays for some time, not for lunch, for some time with a tanner. Tanners work with dead animals, dirty dead animals, and therefore they are dirty, unclean people, and you know that was a big deal in Jesus' time. So what did Peter do? Exactly what Jesus would have done. He went to live with him. The popular guy who had just done a big thing that everyone was talking about went to live with the unpopular guy that no one would go near. Now that's the kind of power Jesus was talking about. That's the kind of witnessing that Jesus was talking about to carry the power of Christ wherever we go. You might remember just a few chapters earlier in Acts, in chapter 4, when Peter and John had to stand up in front of the court, the Sanhedrin, the central court of Jerusalem, often called the Supreme Court of Jerusalem, and they had to defend their faith and their actions. What does the scripture say? Now, when the rulers saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were ordinary and uneducated men, they were amazed. And then they realized they had been companions of Jesus. Power. People ask all the time, Where's the proof of the resurrection? How do we know it's true? This is what the whole book of Acts is about. Ordinary people in every walk of life proving that Christ is alive through their acts of love and healing. What is the best proof of the resurrection? You and I. We are the best proof that Jesus has of the resurrection. In just a moment, confirmands, you will stand up and affirm your faith, and we will all join you. And all year, I've listened to express your love and your concern for your friends and family and for this aching world, and sometimes your anger at the injustices you see. And I want you to know that in this life of faith, you will discover that you have power. Power to heal. Jesus needs healers. Power to build a community, one that includes the widows and the tanners. Power to tell the truth and take a stand. Jesus needs truth tellers. Power to include people that others don't want around. Power to step into a situation that seems impossible and say, get up. Love, get up. Justice, get up. Peace, get up. You will find yourself in places the rest of us are not able to go and your reach will be so much broader than ours. You will bring the love and the power of Christ with you. And maybe we will be lucky enough that you will tell us all about it.
but maybe you won't. And maybe we'll only hear those stories years from now. But before you stand up, I want you to hear the words of another teenager, a girl from the 1500s whose name was Teresa, who also made her faith commitment when she was a young person. She said this, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Amen.